Hello beautiful souls, welcome to Conscious Revolution Podcast. I am Shivani, your host, and today we have Amy to talk to us about how to use the beautiful concept of human design when it comes to our food, our nutrition, our lifestyle. And this is one thing that I'm so excited about because this is literally what has got me into human design. Amy is a holistic nutritionist, Ayurvedic practitioner, yoga teacher, and a human design reader. Amy helps women to heal their relationship with food while supporting their gut health and hormones so that they can feel confident and radiant from within. She draws on holistic nutrition, Ayurveda, and human design to empower every woman to become their own healer. Through her online programs, she offers a taste of holistic rituals, scrumptious plant-based recipes and a heap of supportive resources to make this nourishing lifestyle easy. And honestly, this conversation is so beautiful because we are really, really bringing together human design and our experiences, my experience and Amy's experience together for you to kind of like really understand it from our personal perspectives, but also theoretically in when it comes to Ayurveda or human design. I'm really excited for you to really, really dive into this episode, take a pen, take a paper, take a notepad and really like take notes and really imply it on your life and see how can you really experiment because human design at the end of the day is an experiment and so every information that you partake in means nothing unless not really apply it so while you're here i really hope you listen with an open mind open heart and it really brings that essence of intuitive eating holistic lifestyle back into your life let's dive in Hi, Amy. Welcome to Conscious Revolution Podcast. I am so happy and excited to have you here and dive into this beautiful conversation about foods, about digestion, about uh, the sacred joys of life as two generators get onto this, <laughs> this podcast. I am just already feeling the sensations and the sensory awareness in my body. So I'm like super excited about how we dive deep into it. I would love if you could introduce yourself to the audience a little bit about where I you would are. Love from. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you so much for having me on here, Shivani. I love to witness you sharing about your experience being a generator because you're so raw and honest about that. And I think that that's one of the voices that is so needed to help to understand that experience. So um, the fact that you just, you know, reflected that you're already feeling all of that sort of sacral excitement coming up is just, it's palpable. I feel it. And like, it's, it's lighting me up as well. So um, yeah, my name is Amy. I am originally from Canada, but currently living in Mumbai. And I have been on a holistic wellness journey for gosh, how long has it been? Probably 13 years at this point. Um, my journey was pretty rocky in the beginning, I think as most, <laughs> most of these journeys can be. And at this point, I feel so grateful because it's like, I, I understand myself through this lens of human design and also through the lens of Ayurveda. And both of these worlds have shown me a perspective of myself that is so much more integral, so much more holistic, so much more accurate than the blanket statements of like, you know, you're this height and this weight, which means that your EMI should be a scientific calculation. <laughs> so that's yes. sort of what I do. <laughs> and that's such a breather in this world, especially 
on Instagram or on any social media platform where we are kind of like bombarded with information right now. <laughs> it's so funny. Like I was just, uh, my cousin was at my place the other day and she was showing me her phone as some reel on her phone. And I was like, so interesting. Like, even though she's into, she's, she's all about like fitness and holistic and nutrition and all these things. And I was like, gosh, the things that she follows, they're so radically different than what I follow. And even though I'm interested into the same niche, but the information that we are receiving, it's just so different. Like it's wildly the difference in the contrast in what we are receiving and digesting as well, right? So, I'm so curious yes. what that might have been if you're open to sharing. <laughs> um, so, so yes, yeah, she's going through her PCOS journey and she's going through her healing journey as well. But uh, obviously it's the most niche uh, content that we see on social media, like lose weight. How can you have this kind of a diet to lose weight? Because as it said, like uh, in the PCOS community, the first advice that people get, even though I'm not directly a part of it, just having conversations come into my energetic field indirectly. I've heard like about losing weight is like the number one thing which is like recommended. And so kind of like I see this like race and this kind of like blinded race sometimes I feel like to just lose weight, like join gyms or get a very hyperactive lifestyle or kind of like uh, having foods or diets which are all about losing weight. And the focus is just so much on losing weight. So, mm -hmm. which is why I said that having your perspective, I was so excited to get you on board because obviously, as, as we just talked about it earlier, whenever we are entering into a conversation or a creation, I always feel like the universe kind of like sends you all these signs and things. So I feel like last week, my conversation with my cousin, I feel like it is again, that was an opening into it. Because I am really, really genuinely curious and excited about this perspective because I feel like the the mainstream conversation around PCOD, PCOS, or women's health in general, it's not proven to be very supportive, honestly, not to our mental or emotional health and neither to our physical well-being. Mm -hmm. So I am genuinely like whenever I follow your work on uh, Instagram or on your stories, it's just so exciting to hear this fresher perspective. And also like I feel like Ayurveda or uh veganism or uh, human design they all like I, I love the way you kind of like knit them all together and share on your journey so yes like how did your journey really like how, what got you here basically what was the trigger what was the tipping catalyst point which really ushered you into this journey of self-healing were you mm. always so conscious and aware about your health about your food that's a great question. It's a very big question. So I'm going to do my best to be concise. Um, I was so lucky when I was growing up, I had two parents that were very, they were very good. You know, they, though we did eat a lot of animal products, we ate a lot of bread, we ate a lot of sugar in the household. They were really good with, you know, we had a garden and every season we would go, we would pick the plums, we would pick the blackberries, we would pick everything. And my mom would make preserves. She would make jam, she would make chutney, you know, we would make pies and cakes and stuff was always homemade in our household. So that was one of the most beautiful lessons that I was given from a very young age. And I also spent my entire childhood and my entire adolescence very overweight and unhealthy. And it finally got to a point where I ended up in the hospital at the age of 21 years old. And it was a pretty rocky experience for me. So 
up until the age of 18, I ate all animal products, you know, burgers and milk and everything. And when I was 18, I sort of, one day I just looked at the food that I was eating and I said, I don't actually want to be eating animals. I had never wanted to eat animals when I was a child. I wanted to stop, but in the Western culture, it's eating animals is normal. And so my parents didn't really know how to nourish me according to a plant-based diet. They were afraid that I would, you know, become anemic and that I would become protein deficient and all of those things that we hear sometimes. So at the age of 18, I sort of, it dawned on me, I'm an adult. I can make my own choices. I'm choosing to not eat meat. And I just overnight stopped. And what happened was I had gone from eating the, we'll call it the standard American diet, you know, full of processed foods, sugars, bread, milk, everything, uh, animals. And I just removed meat. But what I was left with was this very processed, high carb, high sugar diet. And it took a couple of years, right, from the age of 18 to 21 until as my body was sort of adjusting to this new way and also without that crucial help, like um, fats and, and protein from the meat, right, I just became very ill. And I ended up with an abscess the size of a golf ball on my tonsil and found myself <laughs> thousands of kilometers away from home. I was tree planting at the time. I got very sick. I ended up in the hospital where I spent four days on an IV drip and was told that I needed to remove my tonsils once I had healed. It was a very traumatic experience. I had no family nearby to me. And, um, you know, I just remember the dietitian coming into the room and saying, oh, okay, so we're gonna give you beef stew. And I looked at her and I said, you know, I had to write because I actually couldn't speak. I physically could not speak at that point. And I wrote down to her, I'm vegetarian. And she goes, oh, hmm. Um, I guess we could give you some pea stew. Um, and maybe we'll give you some milk and some jello. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, 21 years old. I don't really know much about nutrition, but I know that jello is just gelatin, dye, and sugar. I know that milk is full of pus and hormones and stuff that I don't want to be putting in my body. And, you know, at the end of the day, that didn't sound very appetizing, nor did it sound very healthy or nourishing. In an establishment like a hospital where health is supposed to be the main objective. So I didn't eat it because I just thought that looks gross. I'm, I'd rather not. <laughs> I continued to fast. And then shortly after leaving the hospital, I found myself researching schools. I think I wanted to understand what was really going on in my body because I was vegetarian. I was supposed to be healthy at this point, right? Not necessarily. So skip ahead a little while. Six months later, I found myself in school to become a holistic nutritionist. And during the first week of school, we started to learn about the gut health the gut's microbiome. We learned about how to balance the microbiome and the importance of it. And I actually learned that the reason I ended up with an abscess on my tonsil, you know, aside from the energetics, which we'll get into soon, was that I had a gut microbiome imbalance. And every single year I would have strep throat. I would go to the doctor and get antibiotics. I would take the antibiotics and then I would go back into my standard American, minus the meat, way of eating. So this was creating a perpetual cycle where I was never actually repopulating my gut with healthy bacteria to ward off illness. My mind was blown. Suddenly I understood, wow, I have been doing this loop since I was a child. And I can honestly say since 2013, when I was in the hospital, I have never again had strep throat because I understand this key point. So after going to school, I became very rigid. I became very dogmatic in my beliefs about holistic nutrition. I, be, I was, 
I hover between a very scientific mind and a very alternative mind. But the scientific mind loved to understand what is my body doing when I eat food? What are my what is my digestive system doing? What does this specific food have in it that's going to support me or take away from my health? And I became very rigid in my belief systems until I started to explore yoga. And of course, yoga and Ayurveda are sister sciences. So along with my yoga practice came this understanding of Ayurveda. And suddenly it took me from being really in my mind about nutrition to being in my body about nutrition, to listening to what my body was trying to tell me, to looking at my symptoms with compassion, with ahimsa, right? And understanding that those symptoms are present because there is an imbalance in my environment and my diet. So it just continued to evolve from there. Of course, that has been my area of study, my passionate area for many years at this point. And in 2021, our mutual connection, Kirsten, was the introduction to human design. And human design just added this extra layer of personality, this extra layer of uniqueness. You know, in Ayurveda, we understand that there are three constitutions. We have vata, pitta, kapha. And we're always fluctuating between these constitutions, between these energies. And when we add in human design, we get to look at, okay, what dosha is in full expression right now? Which one is imbalanced? And what foods, according to Ayurveda, are going to support that rebalancing? But then when we really think about how human design comes into play, it's like, rather than giving a prescriptive menu or a prescriptive plan based on Ayurveda, how can we look at what is actually supportive for you? Let's say, for example, you're indirect light. I'm not going to tell you to stop eating later at night if that actually feels nourishing for you. Whereas maybe according to Ayurveda, they would say to have your larger meals earlier in the day. You know, if you're the kind of person who has a more um, consecutive or alternating appetite, I'm not going to tell you to mix all of the different spices into your food like Ayurveda traditionally would. And maybe I would support you in moving towards having more simple foods and more simple diet with fewer spices. And so it's really just adding this extra layer of humanity, this extra layer that is so uniquely you, and then coupling that with these other ancient practices and rituals. So that's yeah. how I ended up where I am. <laughs> Wow, I love that so much because it's like, I think we as Indians, we don't realize and recognize how fortunate we are to be in a country which was primarily, anciently, it's an indigenous vegetarian country. Yes. Uh, and I feel like we don't really also realize the the rituals that are like an everyday part of our practice an everyday kind of thing and I feel like whenever I speak to anybody outside India it's just like such a reaffirmation to come back into into our ancient science or ancient practices uh, because the American diet that you're talking about even though that would not have been a part of a culture probably when I was growing up 20-30 years back in the last decade that's where we are at that's where our coming generation is going towards. When I see anybody, the newer families, the 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 new generation, kind of like actually moving towards, and it's it's just a thing. Like the Eastern culture, we've been just like very colonized, and we always have a thing to pick up things from the Western culture, from the Western foods, diet, fashion, anything which kind of like is a trend there. Like it takes us like like we are on it like after a decade or something or 20 years later we are on it so i feel like 
I think the conversation that we're having right now, it's such a beautiful reminder to us. Um, if, if somebody's an Indian who's listening to it or somebody, anybody belonging to an indigenous culture, I feel, and I just described it, Shalya, as well, like very homemade and very um, uh, like thriving and chutneys and dips and all of these like very holistic, ritual-based diet, nourishing diets. They are a part of who we really are at the core. But I feel like, with all of this information overload from the outside. And again, I'm, I mean, I say like, there's a tendency to feel that that is more healthy, that is more, uh, because the West eats it, you know? So thank you for sharing that journey. I feel like really opening up uh, to remember uh, where we are coming from, always a reminder. And at the same time, I loved how you kind of like shared that yes, at the same time, we can break out of the boxes of these. Uh, like it doesn't have to, we don't have to stick to prescriptions. We don't have to fix it, stick to nutrition. Like I do, I mean, almost all Indians, we do have a very Ayurvedic diet naturally. It's just like a part of our fabric, right? Like we have a full thali every single day of like roti, sabzi, dal, achar proper salad, all of these things, which are just different, different kind of um, uh, very balanced and nutritious diet. But at the same time, yes, what is correct for us, it can also vary so much. And I feel like that's exactly what human design is here to kind of like anchor us back into like our, how can we experiment with these different flavors, these different, this another layer of our unique energetic blueprint right that's what mm -hmm. essentially what human design is all about so i would love to know how uh human designs started to change your way of eating or getting in tune with what your body needs mm. again was it very structural like again i don't know about your chart i don't know about your energetics so or is it like very intuitive and very like passive yeah no it's a great question and you know, first of all, I do, I just want to reflect as a Canadian currently living in India, it is absolutely so integrated into the culture to eat Ayurvedically, which is such a blessing. So I just love that reflection you made and I wanted to back that um, wholeheartedly. And as far as how I was eating beforehand, I think that that rigidity that I spoke about was very real for me. I think I had a lot of, particularly once I had already been a nutritionist and once I was already into my my Ayurvedic sort of understanding that was many years in, in, in the working so during that phase of my life up until 2021 I was eating very again very much from my head what is this avocado this avocado is a high fat food okay great how much of the other fats have I had today is that too much fat I'm also somebody who works out, right? So there was a time, not a very long period of time, but there was a time when I was calculating macros and trying to figure out exactly how many proteins and carbs and everything. And I ditched that very early on because I wanted to be more intuitive. And yet even during my intuitive practice with food, it was still very like, still very much in my head. I know that this is a high fat food. I know that I have a disposition to be in a kapha imbalance. If I eat this right now, is it going to make me feel lethargic? Is it going to make me feel more depressed tomorrow? So even though it was, quote, intuitive, it was still coming from here in my head. And that was yeah. what human design shattered for me. It was like, wait a minute. Oh, my God. What if I just completely ditched 
this idea of what is this food? What is going to happen in my body? And instead used my authority to, I'm a sacral authority for anyone who's listening and knows human design. What if I use my authority to, do I want this or that? Hmm, or mm -mm, right? And that was the first thing that I started to play with. That was so powerful because what I noticed started happening was that my authority, my body would continuously lean towards the foods that actually would support my dosha in that moment. Mm. My body already knew. I removed the mind from the equation. And, you know, as we go deeper into our chart, and I started to realize that, wow, I'm a taste cognition. Cognition, for anyone who's listening here, is one of the deeper layers. And to be honest, when, we, when we're talking about these deeper layers, what are, what they're called the variables. Um, I do recommend playing with your energy type and authority first. Maybe do that for a year, maybe even longer if you need it, and then start to get into the variables. But if you have been doing this for a while and you're hearing this, maybe for the second or third or fourth time, and you're like, that's interesting, what is this? This could be somewhere to play. So the variables are, are determined by the four arrows at the top of our chart. And those arrows pointing left or right determine what our determination, aka our digestion is. They uh, speak to our cognition, which is like our super sense, our spidey sense. They also speak to our, our perspective, you know, how we see the world, how everything to do with our external world, and then also what motivates us in life. So when I started to go a little deeper into my design, I saw that I have open taste determination. I saw that my cognition or super sense was taste. And then I saw that my environment is markets external. What does that even mean, right? It might not sound like anything to you, or maybe you're hearing this and going, ah, oh, interesting. <laughs> but what I learned from that was that I have always been called a picky eater my entire life. People have always told me I'm picky. And at some point, it created a complex where I was like, oh my God, do I just need to start saying yes to everything? Fine. And then it eventually changed into me preferring the term selective. And now through human design, I realized that I am actually here to have a very refined palate a very refined sense of taste, a sense of taste that I have curated based on, yes, trying things from here and then, but compiling my own sort of menu, if you will, of things that I love. Because I have my defined G-center, what do I really love? I'm always leaning towards those. I also have a defined throat, right? So how can I express those things that I love to my clientele, for instance? It was like, it offered this layer of understanding myself and why I'm in the, way, the field of work that I'm in. Why am I a nutritionist, right? Why do I do the work the way that I do it? And looking at my design, looking at my energetics was the perfect mirror to that and to give me the language to understand how and why. I hope that answers yeah. your question. <laughs> yeah, it did. And I think uh, would love to kind of like dive deeper into all of those aspects. Um, but for sure, I feel like your energy type and your authority, like even when I am introducing anybody to human design for the first time, I kind of like, I don't know if it's a sacral thing, but I always use food examples. And I feel like, uh, like I think it's a very well-known thing, like to kind of like, especially when you're speaking to your sacral, right? Like, do you want pizza? Do you want pasta? It's always like a, it's very food oriented, my coaching sessions or my readings of all of that. Uh, but for sure, and of course, that also makes sense to have a taste cognition, right? So that's how I experience things in my life and my reality. And I feel like, uh, yes, I feel like using your energy type and using your authority can actually be like the best way to kind of like dive into it or just 
experiment i feel like i always feel like human design is such an experiment like do it for some time try it out and see how it feels and uh, yes uh, and we have like obviously like we won't go so much deeper into how many different kind of authorities that are there but i would love if you could talk about the different energy types and how are they like how can they play around with their with their foods like mm. what's kind of like their way of uh, diving into what feels more called for me yeah based on the energy types yes. i love this question I'm going to start with reflectors because I think reflectors sometimes get forgotten <laughs> until the very end. Absolutely. But I'm going to start with reflectors. <laughs> so, you know, when we're talking about the energy types, we're talking about the main sort of type. You're a reflector, projector, manifester, manigen, or generator. So reflectors with their totally open chart, right? They have no definition in any of their energy centers, which is it, it indicates that they are very influenced by their environment and also by the people who they're surrounded by. So when we're talking about food based on the energy types, my biggest thought when it comes to reflectors is like, what environment are you in right now? And how are the people around you influencing how you feel? Because if you're around people who, let's say you're at work, you're at the office, and people at the office are gossiping and, you know, it's just like a, not a good work environment. And then you go and have lunch. And during lunch, they're talking about your boss and all the things that happen with your boss. And you're sitting there and you're listening to this and you're trying to eat your food. Number one, you might just lose your appetite and not eat. Number two, you might be taking on that negative, that negative sort of energy, that negativity. And it could influence how you're digesting your food. Mm. The same thing if you're with someone who really lights you up. Let's say you're with a generator who's in their pure joy and they're having the best time of their life and you guys are exploring and having a great day and you notice that when you're with them you're eating meals and you're eating consistently and you feel so satiated so satisfied and good pay attention pay attention to who you're with and what you're doing and what the conversations are around and don't be shy to remove yourself spaciousness is the most important word i believe for the reflector and the more space you can create between you and the other particularly when you notice dis-ease, right, or lack of wellness, is creating space so you can re-attune to your own frequency. And I know that that's not always possible, hypothetically. If you are in that scenario, <clears throat> excuse me, you can't always just leave, <laughs> you know, for the day or whatever it is. But even if you can, you know, just say, hey, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my lunch 15 minutes later and just get on a different schedule. Or maybe, you know, go to a different restaurant or go find a nice quiet space out in outdoors, out in a park or something like that. Try to create that spaciousness so that you can really calibrate into your own space and just notice what your metabolism is like. Notice how you digest food when you remove yourself from those types of situations. So when it comes to manifestors, it's very interesting because something I've noticed about manifestors is that they tend to, you know, as manifestors work on these surges and these rest cycles, right? I've noticed from my own observation that a lot of manifestors I speak to tend to eat in that same type of way. So they tend to be the one who eats a lot of food in one sitting, maybe very quickly, and then not really snacking, not really eating after a certain time of the day. And that's, I think, a very healthy thing. When we think about how the energy of a manifester works in these surges and rests, surges and rests, why wouldn't they want to try and consume food in that same type of way? So rather than being the kind of person who grazes all day, right, and has little bites here, little snacks there, play around with what your energy is actually doing. When you feel that hunger, 
when you feel that fire, right? Try not to get to the point where you're hangry. It's very possible for our manifestors. But when you feel that, that drive, that ambition, that hunger, that's when you go eat a nice big meal, right? And then notice how your energy softens after that and roll with that, roll with that energy. Then we have projectors. And fascinatingly, sort of similar to with the manifestors, something I have observed with projectors is this desire to sort of grace a little bit more. This, and it depends on the type of projector. There are three different types of projectors. Um, we have mental projectors, we have classic projectors, and energy projectors. And each of the types of projectors may have more or less definition, depending on what happens, right? If somebody is a, an energy projector, they're going to have a motor defined in their body, which means that they might have a slightly more energetic being. Whereas a classic projector and a mental projector have no motors defined, right? And so they might notice that they're actually like borrowing energy from people around them, and they might need a little bit more rest than the energy projector. But something that I've seen is sort of a common theme is that the projectors tend to eat a little bit maybe more slowly, or maybe they will have a meal and they're going to sit there and they're going to eat while they're talking, and it'll be like a two-hour affair, or maybe they prefer to graze a little bit more throughout the day, which is absolutely fine. Again, we're, we're leaning into what is natural for us. We're breaking all of the rules, because rules, I mean, they're, they're fit for one type of person, whoever made the rule. <laughs> and so Absolutely. when we break those rules, you know, when we break the rules and we just say, well, what does my body actually want to do right now? And we start to do that. We can notice a huge shift in how we digest food. Suddenly it's like, oh, I didn't rush that meal, right? A projector, for example, trying to rush to eat a meal at lunch hour. And they eat it in 15 minutes when really it normally takes them an hour. And then suddenly they're, ugh, stomach ache and they're having a hard time digesting. That's not going to feel good. So again, how can you create more spaciousness? And then we have generators and manifesting generators, which I'll speak to slightly differently. Pure generators tend to have a very consistent style of energy. They tend to have a very consistent appetite as well. And so again, what I've noticed in this consistency with generators particularly is this desire, this enjoyment of eating on a more regular rhythm, right? Myself as a pure generator, I love to eat on a regular rhythm. I can absolutely fast. I can absolutely do that. But what I've noticed feels the best for me, you know, the occasional fast is fine. I think it all depends on where you're at, what's going on, what your goals are, et cetera. But generally speaking, I have noticed this consistent energy with like, okay, I wake up. I also have a left-facing brain, which is a more strategic brain, which requires more consistency. So that's a deeper layer that can also affect how we digest. Just going to insert that there and we'll return to it later. But I've noticed that when I wake up in the morning, I tend to need some time, right? Some time just to sort of wake up. I have also very little definition for more for most generators out there. A little bit of time, drink some liquid, and then I'm hungry before I work, before I exercise, before I do anything that requires brain activity. Nourishment is the most important thing. And I'm pretty consistent with those nourishment habits, not necessarily snacking. I think that my mind likes to snack especially when I'm trying to distract myself, but my body doesn't really need to stop. Manifesting. That's such a tricky balance, no? <laughs> it can be. It, yeah, it's, it has taken some time, some time to name, some time to uh, unravel a little bit. The one thing I'll say about that is like a big piece of what I do in my work is understanding our emotional connection with food. Um, and that is... Uh, it takes a lot of self-awareness. 
And for myself, what I really started to notice is like, I sit down to a meal and the first question I ask is why am I eating? There are no wrong answers. Why am I eating? Is my body, is my body hungry? Is my brain hungry? Am I eating because I just had a really uncomfortable conversation with my mom and I don't want to think about it? You know what I mean? There's, there's different reasons. And if we just go into it with loving compassion, like there's no wrong answer here. Even if it is, I'm avoiding something emotional. That's okay. Thank you for acknowledging it. Thank you. We continue to eat the thing. And we do this every time. And over the course of days, weeks, months, and we start to recognize patterns. Ha, huh, I'm eating again because I've noticed that I'm avoiding something. Interesting. Suddenly, we go from compassion and still eating to compassion and maybe finding something else to do instead. Maybe I'm going to go write about this. Maybe I'm going to call a friend, right? And we start to create new neural pathways in that way. Yeah, so, this awareness has slowly started to sink in. I'm sorry, just to wanted to like share a little bit around this because I have started to notice like how uh, so many times I feel like I need food and I'm like, okay, what should I eat? What should I eat? What should I eat? And actually what I really need is something else. And I think mm. that's just such a beautiful kind of like, it also makes sense because I have an emotional authority. So the feeling and food connection for me, it's like super, super strong. Uh, and I think that's also people dive into emotional eating. Uh, yeah, just wanted to add it there. No, I love that you said that. And I think that, you know, whether we are emotional or not emotional, because as an emotional, right, like you're, you're feeling something constantly, you're always riding this wave of emotion. And if we were never taught the tools, if we never learned the tools to actually process emotion, we try and mask and for the non-emotionals, right? Like we're amplifying everybody's emotions. And if we're not understanding that maybe that doesn't belong to me, and I just feel this uncomfortable feeling in my body. I don't have the story to go along with it because it's not mine. I just have the feeling that can be really uncomfortable. And we can, again, try to fill that emotional hole with something, which what's the most comforting thing, right? Like how are we soothed as infants with breast milk? We were soothed with food. Most of us were taught, oh, you're upset here take some food oh if you're good we'll give you some candy you can have some ice cream you can have you know so it's been pedestalized for for so many of us and it's really just that deconditioning that we talk about so frequently in the system yeah i yes. love that and so just finally i want to speak to manifesting generators and many gens my god i love that manifesting generators are so like here there everywhere you've got so much on the go all of the time and when we translate that type of energy of like focused on multiple different things and loving them all, how can you do that with your food, right? How can you energetically approach your food in that way? Manifesting generators might have the higher metabolism, which means that they might require more food rather than the three square meals a day, which I don't necessarily subscribe to that. But rather than that, they might be the five meals a day kind of person, right? Smaller meals. They might be the kind of person who has a little snack in their pocket all the time because they're like using so much of their energy on all of the stuff that they love that they actually need to fuel their body more. So that's my approach. You know, I, I've seen this and I've been witnessing this and it's been pretty accurate to date. I would love to hear your feedback and if that feels resonant for you as well, Shivani. Yeah, like when you said like having some snack in your pockets, that just reminded me how in school my mom used to give us like these uh, dry fruits in the morning and I would instead of having them or even having them early on, I would just put them in my pockets and if I would have an exam, I would 
literally sneak them out and have just like a little bit of almonds or some cashews and i don't know what was so fun in it, but I, now i get it like obviously it was just like especially like sitting 3 hours on a desk for an mg oh my god i don't know how i did that <laughs> and people used to be like why are you so funny when you do when you're writing examination cuz it's just so boring cuz i would just like look out of the window or like have mm-hmm. like thank god for those snacks or just like of course i would like write a lot and uh, yeah like it just like kind of like really like makes sense for a manifesting generator way of like operating in the world right because it's not linear it's not in that one direction as you said it's not like three meals a day and of course that's how i have lived eaten all my life uh but for sure i have like these and i also kind of like because manifesting generators are a hybrid of generators as well as manifestors so when you talked about the manifestors and you said getting hangry i feel it and i have been feeling it more i think ever since i have unraveled and sink deeper into human design particularly this year that oh my god when i am angry it's crazy and then i just have some food and it's like it's all okay and i feel like okay i like my blood sugar levels are dropping what's happening <laughs> because suddenly everything is like quiet and um i feel like it is a little tricky for manifesting generators to kind of like find their way out because they are a hybrid and we kind of like have that manifestor surges as well as the generator consistency so i feel like just thinking of it in terms of like food or the way we i think kind of like eat it 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 does make sense because yeah there are times when i have like eaten a lot in one go and then most of the time i've fallen sick like especially as a child whenever my mom tells me about that uh and you know frequent eating is something which is not very promoted in my house because it's like uh even though you do have snacks but it's like not so healthy it's like uh yeah like and as you talked about the being rigid or having rules like even ayurveda says like just have your biggest meal in at 12 o'clock and that's it and that's something which even the mentai family follows and they've started to follow that like more strategically in the past 5 years but i could never subscribe to that cuz i'm like i will be hungry okay i can and i think that's why fasting is also something which is so difficult for me even though so many of my friends would do navratri fast and all these like uh in india we have too many fasts uh but <laughs> for me i feel like even when i did navratri fast this time I think for the first time in my life all 9 days it was not like a fast where i'm not eating anything it was like a fast where i'm eating both the times when i'm eating like uh one of ratri appropriate foods which are like uh gluten free and uh yeah like uh, all 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 those things that you have in ratri but yes like uh, i feel like there when you said you're a picky eater eater earlier i could just and i've heard this time and again about uh, i know i'm jumping into cognition but uh, hopefully we'll open the conversation there uh, yeah, but yeah, i just felt like i have never been a big eater i have actually been uh, growing up conditioning i believe i was the good child who would always have like i have the cleanest plate like my sister's plate is some mess i hope she doesn't listen to this <laughs> but mine is just like so clean and it's like if something's on my plate i would always finish it it doesn't matter because i've literally had episodes in my childhood where 
I just cannot eat it, but I would still stuff it because oh, I'm supposed like you, I'm supposed to have whatever I have on my plate. Or actually, that is one of the most detrimental types of conditioning that most of us receive. That whole sit there until your plate is done, and I think that comes from a very old mentality where there was a lot of food scarcity. Like our grandparents, for instance, didn't have food all the time, so for them, it's a privilege. Yeah, it all respected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't know people don't get food for all. And and of course, living in India, we see that reality and we really completely honor that. But of course, we also see the contrast of it. And I think right now, wherever we are in, 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 in our world, and I feel like specifically in India, we really have like the COVID was, I feel like such a place of contrast where we were going through a pandemic, essentially, we were going through a scarcity, essentially. And at the same time, People's pastime was literally to cook five different cakes or desserts or stuff in the day. Like that's literally like in my house, there was like a new dessert every day. And I was like, what's happening? Are we in a pandemic? Is it a scarcity? Is it like uh, something that is like, like, you know, like back in the day, we would have like droughts or famines and we wouldn't have food. And this pandemic was like the complete opposite. People have like, eaten like we've never eaten before again i understand like when you're scared when you know the system is so overstimulated it always goes to what's safe for you and as you said that's the way we've been soothed for growing up so yeah coming back to it like i've never been a picky eater but now if i think of it now that i'm thinking more into my design and i'm embracing more of my mg ways of being i'm actually seeing i have this little child in me who is like i don't want to eat that i want to eat that no i don't like that and there are times when I'm like seriously getting angry when I'm like, I don't want to have that. Why is that today? Or I, why don't you know what I like? And these are the things which actually never bothered me before. Perhaps I was too disconnected from my, from my food, from my sacred, from my body. And now it's all kind of like really coming up, which is obviously uncomfortable for me, for people around me, because it's never been me. But it also makes me realize how important food is for me how important the correct way of uh, eating or digesting or having food is like really important for me. Like it's not just about healthy food. It's also about tasty food, but then it's not just about tasty food. And now it's like, just it's been just so fun, honestly, the past two years, having this whole journey of combining taste as well as health, uh, which is why like, I never thought I would spend so much time in my kitchen or I would have recipes and recipes on my Pinterest board. But that's just literally made me so excited that at some point my MG says literally thought I would probably open a cloud kitchen for vegan foods. <laughs> I think that would be super awesome. I think you'd be really good at that too, especially with your taste cognition. Like you're good at re- at curating what people and that's what people want from you right on an unconscious level people want to see what you have curated based on your taste and Mm. you know what you've mentioned before shivani about how there are things that you used to continuously eat that didn't bother you but now they do and i really believe that the more attuned we become with our body the more we're like wait a minute that actually doesn't feel good when i eat i actually don't want to put that in my body like why what you know and I'm, i'm not surprised that you're meeting that frustration and that anger when you're continuously met with something and especially when our family right the people who are closest to us our friends are like but you always used to do this you always yeah. used to eat that what yeah. changed and it's like i changed yeah. i am <laughs> i am 
becoming yeah. more of myself and unbecoming yeah. what I never was. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I do feel like, uh, oh, because of course you can't go. And I think it always happens whenever you're healing those inner child aspects of you, uh, especially when you're living with your parents, I feel like it just shows up so loudly <laughs> uh, as compared yeah. to probably when you're not spending time with them. Right. Uh, but in this way, like uh, I've, I've, I have been seeing like, oh my God, it's like, Sometimes I feel like that anger, it feels bad because it just went too loud and too irrational because of it's coming from all the times when I did not speak out. It's coming from all the times when I was, I didn't honor that truth within me because I wanted to be the good girl or the good kid or the good elder sibling who is very proper and wise and, you know, like they do things Agreeable. the right way yes yes and now a lot of those things start to kind of like obviously whenever you become aware about your energetics it's not a comfortable journey because you start of you start becoming like aware of the things which you were really okay with so i would not say even uncomfortable it's convenience it's not convenient and which is why i feel a lot of people kind of like get scared and i totally understand the fear i totally understand the uh the 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 sense of inhibition that they feel into fully diving into a new study a new practice a new information i feel as well like well, some of us are like super excited to go into it but i do feel like some of us are also like kind of like oh should i like really get into it is it okay but i feel like again your body will always tell you if it's time uh or your uh depending on what authority you are but yeah at the end of the day i feel like we all are connected to our bodies right doesn't matter actually either way so yes like i'm just so happy that we're having this conversation right now because i'm sure it's giving a lot of people these pings whoever is listening to it right now to be like ah oh, i did things this way because i thought i should but is this something that i would want that i would desire yeah so mm -hmm. thank you so much for sharing and um kind of like uh love putting the pieces together uh how would you uh kind of like think that uh working out or uh as you said you're big on workouts and i see you being in the gym even when you're traveling and stuff so uh and that's something which i have never wiped with that's something I haven't been to gym and it just doesn't feel good to me. Like it's like on an ache level for me, <laughs> but I do have this, like a lot of this kind of like shadow, which is like, I should, I must, everyone does, you need to blah, 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 blah. And especially kind of like have, because I've had a lot of health issues as well. And sometimes there is, I think like now I understand so much of it has been emotional for me, mm. but there's this, pressure and conditioning somehow to be like it's because you are not working out it's because you are not doing this da, 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 da. so it's been food and then it's working so i would love if you could probably talk about uh the way we work out the way we expel energy the way we um move our bodies like how can we align with that through our energetics mm. you know what i completely get not vibing with the gym i never used to see myself as somebody who would go to a gym i was like gym people are crazy and there's too many bros and like ugh, i totally get that and like power to you for honoring your sacred yes or no i think that that's number one like what is 
what is your body leaning into and what is it leaning away from? And my mind is going to so many different responses to this question, like what is the viewpoint on exercise and on movement? Because of course, you know, one, one crucial fact of humanity is we need to move our bodies. We need to move our bodies. What is not a fact is that you need to go to the gym. That is a cultural conditioning. And so Absolutely. the fact is, right, you need to move your body. Absolutely. Because we need to stay mobile and limber and move our joints and build strength and, and be able to release through our skin, right? Our skin is our largest detoxification organ. Sweat is necessary for us to detox and purge through. So like, these are all very important key factors. How you do that, now that's totally up to you. So, you know, again, if we're thinking just energy types for a moment here, like that big energy type, I would say reflectors, maybe you're going to wake up one day and you're going to want to do martial arts. Maybe the next day you're going to want to dance. Maybe the next day you're going to want to stay in bed. Maybe the next day you're going to want to go for a hike. Like, I find that reflectors are designed for that surprise and delight of life. So again, based on their where they're at in the lunar cycle, based on what environment that they're in, based on what's exciting for them in this moment, they might really bounce between one or a bunch of different things. And same thing with many gens. Because many gens have so many different interests all the time, I would say lean into what is alive right now. What is giving you that, mm -hmm, right? Maybe you are targeted on Instagram for a dance class. Or maybe oh my god, that's just too correct and on point right now. Because I literally told my sister the other day, okay, my emotional authority has taken almost a year of this this particular woman. She's from my school and she runs these sexy chair dance workshops. And I've been like, I go for it. I've even subscribed to her WhatsApp and everything. And every time there's a new workshop, she doesn't yesterday. I was like, okay, I have made my decision after one year. I'm gonna go for it. And it was sold out. <laughs> Like, oh, why do people understand there are emotional authorities in this world who need at least three days to make a decision? <laughs> but, but now you yeah. know for next time, though, right? So yeah. now you're, you're yeah, it's a, it's a yes, yeah. yeah. Like that was just so but, on point because it just pops up every single month, and I'm like, yeah, go, go, no. <laughs> I love that you just said that because, especially for all of my emotional friends out there, like. Oh my goodness, that might be something. And so for reflectors too, right? Reflectors also do take some time for the big decisions to be made. Big decisions in relationships, energy, finances, uh, environment change, all of that, careers, when it comes to the big decisions in life. And if if something like joining a class is a big decision, whether it's financially or time, like energetically, time-wise, absolutely, you're going to take a little bit more time to do that. And just like what you said, like sit with it. And once you have that yes, trust that that certainty that certainty is going to magnetize what it is that you're looking for. Maybe she's going to do a second workshop this month. Maybe the next one's going to be on like 50% sale. You know what I mean? Like there's something about that certainty after waiting that is so beautiful and magnetic. So I want to invite you into that level of trust. And, you know, back to like the types of movement, like you said, the dance, that chair dance, that sexy chair dance is something that's going to allow you to tap into your movement, your femininity. And it's probably not going to feel like exercise because it's so fun. And I think that that is going to, that's going to be steps ahead of going to the gym for you because going to the gym is only going to create frustration and anger in your body, resistance, especially if you don't make it to the gym, even though you wanted to go, but you just couldn't get there because you're like resisting going, that's going to also create anger. So if we remove the resistance, right? If I tell myself, I'm going to go to the gym five days a week and Monday comes around and I'm like, oh, 
I don't know, like I better not, but I make myself go. There is nothing worse for a generator and a manifesting generator than getting really good at something that you do not like. That is the worst venom. So yes. how can we just delete, delegate, get rid of all the stuff that is not actually a yes. For me, the gym is a yes. It is a yes. I love it, but I didn't always, right? And actually, I, I ended up starting because I had, I don't know, I think I had this vision in mind of getting like super buff and like, <laughs> it was just, that was the only way I knew how. And over the years, I've been following that generator joy. I've been following that sacral yes. And there was a time when I wasn't going to the gym and instead I was doing uh, aerial arts, like um, the aerial hoop and silks and pole dance and all of that, that felt so good. And then when that was no longer available, I moved back to what I knew and I started to find that joy again. But really it's like, what what is your body leading into for projectors? On the other hand, projectors are very, they're very, I don't want to say inconsistent. I think there's a better word. I just don't know it yet because projectors have very efficient energy, which means that they take less time to do what takes the rest of us much longer. So rather than inconsistent or lack of energy, I want to say they have efficient energy. That also might mean they require more rest, right? To use their battery and then rest. So I would say projector is finding something that, of course, joy for all of us all around, not just reserved for the generators. But for projectors, finding something that is maybe not going to use up 90 or 100% of your energy, right? If projectors like to run, go for it. But do you find that running takes your energy battery? Maybe find something that only uses 60 to 70% of your energy, like Pilates or yoga, or maybe that is going for a nature walk, not even a hike up a big mountain, but like a nature walk through the forest. And for manifestors, like manifestors, again, have these surges and rests. I would recommend that the manifestors, especially when they're in a high energy state, it's like, how can you use some of that rocket fuel? How can you go into something and like give it your all? And then I would, when I think of manifestors, I think of sports, something that's a little bit maybe competitive, maybe not, but something that requires like an hour of your attention and time. You do the sport, you come on out after. And that could be like a really, really great dynamic for the manifestor. So of course, these are examples. You know, if you're listening to this and you didn't hear yourself in one of those examples, I'm going to trust all of the listeners to use your inner authority and apply what I'm saying to you in your specific life, right? I don't, I can't know everyone who's listening to this and what you're actually interested in. But what I can say is that when you really listen to what is my body leaning into, and this goes for all of us, right? Because manifestors, projectors, reflectors, you are also going to lean in and away from the things that you don't like. It might sound differently if you're ego-driven, if you're splenic-driven, if you're lunar authority, it might sound different than, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you're still going to have that expansion and contraction capacity. Yeah. And I think as a manifesting generator, uh, and having a sister who's a generator, I think uh, we do have, I feel like, more different, like we are multi-passionate and we are going to probably get over things faster than probably a generator would. Like I remember joining this yoga class, I think two or three years back. And uh, it was really fun. It was really exciting in the beginning. And then my sister also joined in after a couple of months. It was so good and so great. But then the pandemic happened. So the classes shifted online. But then after a while, the moment they shifted online, a that, and then I think probably I had run that tipping period, right? Like because yoga is something people 
it's like gym it it's not something which people like leave right like it's something that, oh we have a yoga class every single day or like set set amount of days but for me i can just say that it was just so difficult to start showing up and i told my uh, my yoga teacher i was like i don't know i just don't feel inspired it's just so boring it's just so <laughs> and she was like maybe you are looking for another teacher maybe and i think that's just so gracious of her to say that but i realized that actually i wasn't looking for another teacher or something but i had hit that space where like it's done like whatever i had to get from this practice we were doing ashtanga it was done and then the practices that i so i left that class and then the practices that i was gravitated towards were more like yin they were more restorative practices and it also makes sense like i feel like it's not just about variety it's also about like i feel like maybe our as an ng i can say maybe that variety or that need for change it's it's coming from a space of inner knowing and intuition because my body needed that my body mm-hmm. i felt ashtanga was getting a little too tiring and exhausting for my nervous system because i was also very active in my business at that time and i need like i was really reaching that exhaustion level and burnout level and when i left that and i got more into restorative practice it was like oh my god this is what i needed and especially because i've never done those slow practices before especially because my nervous system had never known anything like that and of course that opened a whole space of nervous system healing for me so i feel like as 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 manifesting generator i can say like if you feel that need to shift to change please hear that and follow that even if it is not something that probably a generator friend would do or anybody else would do because it's it it it's the the shoes are like not helpful but if you like mm-hmm. i feel like it really like it is in alignment if you are feeling that thing because i feel like as an mg you can definitely 100% feel guilty for following that need for shift and change because oh you change so many times you're never all this conditioning of the mgs you're never like kind of like consistent how will you get there if you're not consistent especially i've never been about goals body goals or anything like that but i'm sure a lot of people are and again that can be like if you don't do this every day how are you going to get results like again my cousin like she's a manifesting generator and for her to go to gym every day these days and to have like these boring sales i'm like you're never going to lose weight like this because <laughs> yeah. she is like no. not at all feeling that taste and that variety and that excitement it's it's not fun it's not joyful but that's what everybody around her is really pushing her to or like saying like you are not taking care of your health and i think that just gets so personal right like when we start feeling like i'm not doing good enough for myself and uh, and i feel like uh that's what kind of like gets you in a space of even more not self more frustration more anger because you feel like how how can i not take care of my own body my own health uh and i feel like health is such a sensitive topic it's such an emotional topic it's i can say perhaps more for someone like probably you and me who had their home health journey wellness journey uh but it is it is so personal that a lot of time people don't talk about these things they will never talk about these things in an open space or share their experiences and i anybody listening to it i would highly encourage you to uh 
to share, to have these conversations, because I think even though I'm interviewing per se right now, I'm still sharing my experiences. I'm feeling so heard, so seen. And at the same time, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure for you as well. It's just like giving this beautiful, I feel like space to exchange this, uh, not just information, but I feel like uh, uh, the sentiments are unheld. Yeah. 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 I always think that, you know, wisdom is experience plus knowledge equals wisdom. And so it's really like, how can we share the anecdotes of what we've learned along the way? Not with this dogmatic approach of you should also do that, but with a, you know, this is what I learned along that journey. And I think that sharing the, the wisdom rather than sharing the specific prescription, there's that word again, you know, of what worked for me. It's like how, this is how I came to that conclusion. This is how I learned to speak with my body. This is how maybe you might, you know, even just the conversation of human design, this is how I learned to listen to my body and nourish yeah. my body according to how I am designed. And maybe that could be something that supports you, you know, whoever you're in conversation with as well. So I hear that and I'm so here for that as well. Yeah. Thank you so much, Amy, for being here, for sharing these beautiful nuggets of wisdom. Uh, before we kind of like move towards the end, I would love if you would want to share something from your own journey about uh, coming into this practice, what shifts and what narrative shifts it has made for you, as well as say for the people you work with. Uh, on a personal level, as I said, this is such a personal journey to self-love, if I may say as well. Uh, uh, I also wanted to, yeah, I, I think, yes, yes. Like how, how, how has this journey played out for you in terms of loving yourself, in terms of your relationship with yourself? Mm. What a beautiful question. Well, I think that there's a version of me who exists in the past, the version of myself who would look in the mirror and have this really negative internal dialogue about herself the version of me who would put on clothing and when it didn't fit properly it was because something was wrong with my body not because the clothes weren't designed for someone who looked and was shaped like me there's a version of myself who would punish herself by binge eating and until the point where i got really really sick and would wake up the next day and just feel awful but then i would do it again and that version of myself, I now, in hindsight, hold with so much compassion and love. And, you know, it, it's like I can see myself in my mind's eye just holding her in the palms of my hand and saying, like, I got you. Don't worry. Because I can genuinely say that all of that has changed. When I look in the mirror, I see somebody who I love. I see somebody who takes such gentle care of her body and meets herself in every single moment with so much compassion. I see someone who puts on clothes that maybe don't fit and it's like, well, you know, I'm six feet tall. Uh, you know, this is, maybe I'm you know, just, these clothes aren't meant for someone who's my height, who's, you know, of African descent, right? Who has like a big booty and like, that's not my body that's the problem. It's the, the Eurocentric standards, right? And that's something that I can step away from. I have that choice now. I yeah. see someone now who chooses food based on how I desire to feel, on how I desire to, you know, to be in my body, how I desire to communicate with my body. Something that I always say is that symptoms are how your body communicate with you. Nutrition is how you communicate with your body. And if we understand this open conversation 
anytime that I experience symptoms, let's say acne or hormonal imbalances, right? I get to my period every month and it's like horrible PMS or you know, bloating, gas, digestive issues. I mean, eat those with compassion. There's that word one more time. I think it's so important. It's like, okay, thank you, body, for communicating that something's not right. How can I feed you? Whether that's with food, whether that's with environment, whether that's feeding myself with information, whether that's feeding myself with information detox, like whatever we're feeding myself, nutritionally speaking. Nutrition is a holistic word in my mind, in my world. How can I feed you so that that symptom is rebalanced and brought back into homeostasis? So those are the biggest shifts that I've experienced for myself. And yeah, and I hope that that translates. <laughs> well. It does. Wow, I don't know how did we arrive at such an emotional ending, but I could just feel how strongly you felt through whatever you shared with us right now. And thank you so much for sharing with that wisdom, with that uh, presence. And I feel like with that honesty, because I feel like anybody who's do doing this kind of work, it takes so much of courage to not just be an advocate of your experience, but to also share these tools, these resources, this, and I feel like more than tools and resources, it's the embodiment. It's been your journey. And it's like, as I said, you're an advocate of that journey. So sharing that so candidly and honestly, it's just so empowering to just to even like see as somebody who is like on the other side as well. So thank you so much for doing that. And um, yes, anything that you would want people to leave with, uh, in terms of like, how can they start this journey? How can they start to uh, dive into this energetics? And of course, if there's any way that they can work with you or they can get to into your body of work, uh, yeah, please share. Well, I just want to say, first of all, thank you for inviting me on here today. I feel like this has been such a beautiful conversation and I don't want to say it's overdue. I think it's right on time, but I feel like there was so much build up to this conversation, just, you know, as we were DMing in, in conversation. Yes. So it feels really, really good and complete. And I feel that genuine satisfaction and I appreciate you for that. Um, and as far as, yeah, where to get started, I think that one of the most important things we can do is first of all, start to look at what are my actual wellness goals? So I'm a holistic nutritionist, Ayurvedic practitioner, human design reader, yoga teacher. Those are my titles. But at the end of the day, I'm a holistic wellness coach, if you will. So I will never say that it's only your diet that's wrong. I will never say that it's only the food you need to change. Really, there is so much more to it. So the first question that you want to ask yourself is, what am I doing right now, nutritionally speaking? And again, when we use that word nutrition, in my world, it's holistic. How am I feeding myself information, conversations? emotions, like all of this stuff. What am I feeding myself now? And do I love it? It's that simple. Do I love eating keto? Do I love doing raw juice fasting? Do I love eating cheese puffs every day? Like whatever it is, you know what I mean? And if you don't love it, you know, attached to that question is, do I love how I feel in my body? I think that's also very, very important. And if the answer to one or both of those is no, then that's when you know it's time to change. If you're listening to this and you're like, I love the way I eat and I love how I feel in my body and I feel great and like my hormones are balanced, my skin is great, da, 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 da. I'm so happy for you and you're probably already living in perfect alignment. For now, things can change, right? Because the seasons change, our environment changes, all of that changes. 
But when the answer to either of those questions, how you feel about your nutrition and how you feel in your body, are not a yes, if you don't feel good, then I would recommend starting by stopping what you're doing. It takes will, right? Not all of us have a defined heart center, so I'm not going to say it's going to take that hard commitment and willpower, but it does take a sense of determination with yourself. Like, I am willing to make a change. And that change could be as simple as adding carbs back in. I know that's a really radical thought in today's day and age. Adding carbs back in can be so important. It might mean doing less cardio every week. If you don't enjoy going for a run or running on the treadmill every single five days a week, six days a week, then stop, right? And it's finding things that actually make you feel full. Not full in like, oh, I ate too much kind of way, but like full energetically. Love that. (laughs) And if you need support in finding that, that's where the worlds of Ayurveda and human design have really helped me. And that's how I work with my clients. Um, I I, you know, help them understand their dosha. I help them understand their human design and what that looks like to actually not only integrate these worlds, but use them in a very practical type of way. So everything is about embodiment, right? It's not just about learning, learning, learning. And I'm a first line. I love to learn. I love to teach. Got my defined throat center, channel the alpha. Like I'm, I'm very much a teacher, but more than a teacher, I'm here to teach you to be your own savior. That's my fifth line coming in, right? I want you to know how to do this for a lifetime. So you know, if that's something that you're willing to explore, if you'd like to explore that, you can always find me. I'm on Instagram, Amy Activates. Um, my website is called NamatasteNutrition.com. And you can find all of the information that you need on either of these channels. And um, yeah, <laughs> that's that. I love that. Thank you so much, Amy, for being here and for sharing these. Um this as i said not just information but your whole entire embodiment and and your whole journey with us Uh, i really appreciate this so much and i love i think yes we've been building up to this space uh and and i love that and i feel like lately my mission on this podcast has really been to bring in guests not who will ideally I should get them on or or they are probably going to, you know, like walk with the traffic or whatever, whatever, like whatever the numbers are, but it's really like rooted in my line for connections, people who I speak with, people who I like have conversations with in my DMs and who are just there. Like I think ever since you've been in India, we've been like talking a lot, we've been just sharing. And yes, it was an absolute like, thing like i would love to have this conversation with you so i'm glad i initiated through that space and uh um, we did that yeah i'm glad we did that Absolutely. because i feel like and i feel like this is also like if, if anybody's listening to this this is also just a little line for wisdom coming through like so many times the help and the resources are present right in your circle right in your network right in the people or even in things which are crossing you your path if you're listening to this, for example, right? So really like being, again, it takes you to be present in your body to listen to that, but listen and honor to that instead of probably, I feel like, as I, as I think we start the conversation from here, right? Like this information overload of like figuring out, trying to figure out who is the best coach or who is the best person or who is the, what's the ideal, most perfect diet for me. Like maybe we don't have to reach those places and we don't have to go all in there and maybe we can like really start babies like with baby steps because there's a tendency for us to like just create a big 
goals and just have big ideas and that's a great place to take it as a north star but it's also a great idea to start small with where you are so yes considering with everything that amy said that i would just want to leave you with like uh do one small thing that you're going to do right now towards your say health wellness nutrition holistic shifts that you want to bring in your life it could be say signing up to a newsletter <laughs> it could be uh taking out your human design chart just anything just do something in direction of embodying this or applying this knowledge that you've received today or just promising yourself to experiment with your authority or your energy type and let's say like i'll do it for like say a few weeks and see how it works for you uh mm -hmm. yeah yeah i love something that wanted to come through <laughs> I love that because um, it has to start somewhere, and you're so right about yeah. that. It's, we get these yeah. big, big ideas in mind of like that's where I'm going, and that can feel so intimidating that it creates that like analysis paralysis. And nothing happens. Yes. What if it was just yeah. one little chip off the block? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Amy, and thank you everyone thank you. who's been listening to this. Thank you so much. <laughs>